0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number two of season three of Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock, along with me, Colin Doyle, along for the ride this season. And uh, we are going to get you caught up on everything that has gone on in and around the Toronto Rock in the last uh, few days. And, of course, back to last weekend's game. So uh, let's start right off with last Friday night's game. The Rock get back in the win column after dropping a game to Georgia. They come back with a thrilling 11-10 overtime victory over the philadelphia wings Um, thrilling is a word defined differently probably by different people so uh, thrilling to me is the fact that the rock won the game in overtime but perhaps the way they got there was not uh, so thrilling Mr. Doyle, would you like to take it from there a little bit? On? We are going to get into a good, bad, and ugly segment that you've uh, that you've designed. We'll get into that shortly, but um, just I guess first of all, just general thoughts on uh, on the game itself on Friday night against Philly.
1: General thoughts of the game uh, on Friday. Um, we did some good things. We did some bad things. Um, obviously, a win is a win is a win. And I, you know, I look at these games, and, and so often in sports, you get the opportunity to look back. And you've really got two choices. Uh, so, the team, the management, the coaching, the fans, everybody will look at it differently. From my standpoint, you've got two ways of viewing a game like this. You can look at it and say, wow, we got away with one that's turned the page. We got a win. And a win in this league every week is important. They might look back on that and say, wow, well, those two points against Philly at home were the difference between second and third, first or second, playoffs, no playoffs, whatever. Or you can be really honest with yourself and say, that was not our best we are lucky to get out of here with two points let's have a good long look at the things we did poorly and make sure we're cleaning them up so that when we're faced with a stiff challenge we can overcome it and get a win when we need it so you know how they look at it how the team looks at it how uh, the coaches are looking at it how the players are looking at it I don't know but you know when you're in a situation like that and I've been in many those are your options. And you know, my hope is that they don't settle for the first option and say, well, we got two points when you need them the most, and we'll move on. because there's a lot of things that happened in this game that I think they need to clean up. So that's kind of my take on the game. I thought Philly looked every bit a part of an expansion team to be quite honest with you. Um, offensively they were they had no cohesion, did not move the ball well, settled for bad shots, didn't get a lot of great shots. Uh, the one thing they had working for them was an incredible transition game that in part was probably due to the Rocks turnovers and unwillingness to work. But they did work hard defensively. They stuck to their system and worked for them. They got a great game out of their goalie and their D guys I think scored six and I think they had a seventh off the bench in transition. So they did some things well they worked hard and they hung with a team that uh was much better than them and they had a chance to win it and obviously we'll get into this later they 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 pissed that chance away at the end of the game because of some um some some poor judgments some poor decisions and that's the way it goes sometimes with an expansion team so um you know as far as I was concerned from Philly's standpoint they looked kind of what I expected from an expansion team and from the Rock standpoint a lot of things to clean up um You can look at Tom Schreiber's performance and what he did, and uh, you can be very happy that he's on the Toronto Rock, that's for sure. So that's my take on the game. I'll uh, turn it back over to you, Yeah, I mean, uh, a couple of other quick things
0: on the Philly side. Of course, the next day, then they pulled a trade to bring Kevin Crowley in. Thankfully, they made that trade the next day. And uh, a tough break, no pun intended, Brett Hickey, Uh, It appears as though broke his foot again uh, and was placed on the season-ending injured reserve. So, uh, tough one for him. We've all got a lot of love for Hicks around here um, after having been here for four years with this team and just being a great guy and uh, very, very tough uh, to see his season end where he was going to be a guy who was probably going to be carrying a pretty big load for philadelphia and uh for the wings sake they get kevin crowley to walk back in and uh obviously get one of the best goal scorers in the game uh into their into their lineup uh, right away this week but shifting right back to the rock and your good bad and ugly segment let's not waste we teased people off the top with this so
1: I'll, if Let's this is a tease. It. Let's then, hear the good. You know,
0: what do you want to start? Are we just going to go in order?
1: Well, what I'm going to do every week is I'm going to take some notes while I watch the game, and I'll, I'll right. assemble a list that's either good, bad, and the ugly, or good, bad, and the great. And uh, you know, their that performance green. will dictate okay. that every week. So this week, obviously, by my, my monologue at the start, you, you're, you're pretty sure where I stand <laughs> on this one. Um, we'll start yeah. with the good. Right. Um, Tom Schreiber and Adam Jones carrying the load offensively, I think, was a really good sign. Uh, it'll tie into some of the bad and the ugly as well, but uh, I thought both of them scored goals when we needed goals badly, so hat off to them, and uh, obviously the way they were able to score that goal at the end, Tom, or to tie it, send it into overtime was pretty incredible, so hats off to those two for putting some goals in when we needed them. I thought our defense five on five was really good. Uh, Like I said, uh, they limited Philly's chances um, all night long, and I think you know, if you eliminate transition and you eliminate the bad one by Matisse, I think at the end of the first half from way out, uh, you know, really they scored two or three goals in an offensive set. So I, I thought our defense 5-on-5 five five was great. Um, the loose ball battle was another good, a really thing that stood out to me, another good thing that stood out to me. Uh, we had to have won the loose ball battle. I didn't see final stats, but I could tell just by the gist of the game, we were really out battling them for loose balls. And after having not his best game. uh, Robbie Hellier, number 10, coming up with the biggest play of the game when it mattered the most uh, to to jar that ball loose, hustle over the boards and get that ball loose so Tommy could pick it up. So loose balls were great. The bad, our secondary scoring, the Rock secondary scoring was not good. Uh, Obviously we had two guys shoulder the load and we had one in transition. And if the Rock are going to win games and push for a title this year, that's not the way they're built. They're going to be 2-3 across the board and not 5-5 five, five and 1 out of the back door. So I think secondary scoring really let them down. Um, transition goals 4 was bad. They scored 6. I'll call it 7. We scored 1. And we're a team that's built to score in transition. We've got to do more of that, especially when you're winning the loose ball battle. So we've got to generate more chances there. Our desperation and our intensity was bad. We did not come, sorry, The Rock. i got to stop referring to The Rock as we or me or us.
0: <laughs> it always will be the way they
1: come on. Fair enough. Fair. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I would be happy to have that bestowed upon me forever. But we, us, The Rock, did not show up desperate and ready to take two points from the wings. And in doing so, they had to win the game in the fashion they did. And I think lesson learned, don't take anybody for granted. Be ready to play. And I didn't think that was very good. And I think it's a the reason they were in the game. I think they had a five-goal five, five goal lead there with about a minute to go in the, the half. And bang, bang, they give up two just poorly timed goals. And all of a sudden, they're back in the game. So anyway, it wasn't where it needs to be. Now the ugly. The rock power play, and I'll be pounding on this all year long because I think in the long run last year, this is what really hurt them. They went six games at the end of the year, and they could not generate scoring chances. And it's a byproduct, in my opinion, of – settling for those three outside shooters and when those three are on those numbers look really good and when they're not like friday night yep uh we ha- so they have to find ways to generate chances uh, they do not use their crease men they had a, a man down that was built to let them settle for those shots a goalie that was out at the top of his crease to stop them they do not use their creases they they don't find creative ways to get to cutters they don't find creative ways to get new looks they live and die on those three outside shooters, and I don't think that's healthy. It buried them last year. I don't want that to happen again this year. They've got great crease men when uh, Johnny Palace is down there or when Danny Littner's down there. They've got to find a way to use these guys and get passes in behind the goaltender, at least get the goalie moving. And I thought if you watched the box that the Wings played, they were super tight inside the line and they basically said, look, you guys can shoot the ball. If you burn us, you burn us. And we didn't. So that has to change. One of six, I think, was our final numbers. Got to be better. Transition against our turnovers offensively were atrocious. We settled to play into their defensive system. We settled with that little flip pass back. We didn't work hard to get topside on picks, and we settled for bad outside shots. Off-board turnovers, turnovers on the flip, turnovers to guys standing flat-footed. It really hurt the rock on this night, and it led to this being a game where it didn't have to be. We did not work on offense. And our trend our transition against hurt us. Last thing of the ugly is our inability to use mismatches, uh, mismatches. Pardon me. They had five or six guys out their back door that we could have had a heyday with. Inexperienced, young, call it what you want. We did not exploit those mismatches, and that's got We've got to be better at that. With the offensive power we have, they've got to zone in on these guys that don't know how to play defense at this level yet and burn them. And we and we didn't. So. Those are my good, bad, and the ugly for this week. I, I really hope when we're doing this next week, it's good, bad, and great. But uh, if, if this is a performance they give this week, they're going to be in a lot of trouble.
0: Okay, we'll get the fire extinguisher out to uh, put out the fire that's on Doiley's microphone right now. <laughs> Just trying
1: to be honest, Mike. I, that's my honest <laughs> assessment. I could have changed these notes. I wrote them fresh it's right great after stuff. the game.
0: And, <clears throat> you know, you talked about the desperation level and um, – you know, on social media, we put out a graphic that said, you know, one of the keys to success was playing honest 60 minutes. And I feel like that probably factors in or is is a little bit similar to what you say there with the, you know, this the desperation. And is that something that just happens because you're playing an expansion team and you think something's going to come easy that night? Or... Does the flow of the game begin to dictate that where, you know, your opponent isn't really doing anything necessarily to push you either on the floor that you can kind of, you know, the old, you know, cliche adage, whatever you want to call it, that you play down to your opponent sometimes, right? And you kind of get lulled to sleep, perhaps, maybe sometimes during a game. Is it it a fault of the rock? Is it a fault of the situation, the game, how the game was going? It just kind of, that's the way the game played out that night? Is it something to be concerned about? A lot of questions there, but... Well, let's Pick start one. with this. It,
1: ultimately, right. it's always the fault of the Rock. No matter what the okay. situation is, it, it, it falls on the players of the Rock. Uh, you're at home in a must-win situation, even early on in the year. There really is no excuse to, to to play flat like that. Now, that being said, I've done it many times. You know, Some nights, you just don't have it. And circumstance and all those other things that you mentioned can certainly have something to do with it. But we would be on our high horse if we were sitting here saying, well, The Rock, The Great Rock, weren't ready for the lowly wings Mm -hmm. on a Friday night in early January because, you know, this is maybe a discussion we have after you rattle off two of three championships or something like that. Fair. You know, The Rock is a young team trying to find their way, Mm. and that's why this is probably a little bit more inexcusable. These aren't the nights that they have the luxury of taking off and eking out a win because if you're a veteran-laden squad that's had some success – You can look back at that and say, well, we just, you know, we took the night off, we took it for granted, we'll move on. I think the Rock are still fighting to find out where exactly they fall into this hierarchy in this Eastern Conference. So, kind of more on the hook than ever. So, that's what I think, but it does happen. I mean, don't get me wrong, these nights do happen, and for them to get the win is important, but... You know, I think it would be a, a gigantic mistake if they were to look back and say, "We got two points. Let's get out of here and get ready for Colorado." Because there's a lot of things they need to fix if they're going to be at the top end of that Eastern Conference.
0: Well, when you look at you're talking, I think a little bit about lessons too that are learned here with this young group and how to win. And you know, it's obviously going to be perhaps a little longer learning curve, really, for some of these guys, especially the ones who haven't won, compared to what your generation, especially you specifically, went through in the NLL, where you pretty well just won right away. You know save for the one year in uh hamilton but you know are are there any parallels that you draw like what are the lessons that you learn along here where you're saying you know you come to the rink prepared playing at home you can't come out flat all those types of things when you're learning to win
1: when i was learning to win early in my career i had some pretty great people in the position of keeping everybody focused so we had, a, we had a good mix of veterans that enabled me to be a 20-year-old NLL lacrosse player, show up at the rink without a worry in the world, go out and play the game, and then get on with it. Um, I don't think this situation with the Rock, they don't have that. So I don't think they need to try to be that. I, I think what's best for them is, you know, they need to figure out where their focus is. There's a lot of kids there, and, you know, sometimes that's a really good thing, and They just have to decide either, well, we want to be winners or we don't. And if we do, well, I think we all have a general idea of what it takes to win. I mean, they've all won somewhere in their life. I mean, when I got into the NLL, I hadn't even won a Junior A lacrosse series, playoff series, ever. Mm -hmm. So I kind of went in and and was me, and I was able to do that, and I had the veterans kind of lead the way. And then eventually, before you know it, you are one of those veterans. But with this team, I think it's important, and I I kind of thump on this a lot when when speaking to people – I think they've got to find out what they are what their identity is and i think that kind of free young spirit not a don't give a damn in the world is a good thing and i think they've got to use it to their advantage on this night it may have hurt them hopefully they learn their lesson and they figure out what it takes to be ready every night that's on them but i i don't think this is going to look the same as it did when we were winning early i think when we when this team wins it's going to look a lot different and it'll kind of set a new mold because they're going to be doing it with a totally different roster and primarily guys under 27 years old. So, look, we can't draw parallels on when we were winning all those championships back in the early days because we had such a good mix um, of young and old. Um, I think now a young leadership group is going to find out what this team looks like, and if they're able to win, we're going to look back and say they found out who they were, they found out what makes them successful, and they did it well. So let's wait and let time sort that out, and let's let this night be a learning curve for them. Well, let's
0: also, uh, before we move on from this game and uh, jump into our interview with Nick Rose, um, let's talk about the final minute of the game and just how that all unfolded and uh, a wild situation that, in the end, you know, the perfect storm had to happen just to give the Rock a chance <laughs> to score a goal and, um, you know, the, the the transition chance, I guess, that eventually developed, like you already mentioned, Robbie Hellyer... Um, you know, working as hard as he did to get to the boards and have that battle and have the ball pop loose to Tom Schreiber who just happened to be on the run swinging by. Um, and even Hellyer and Schreiber being out there in the shorthanded situation uh, in the final moments. I talked to Matt Sawyer a little bit about that. Uh, and it's, you know, the way he kind of described the conversation to me was, you know, Brucey e. Cod said, give me Schreiber and, um, Matt said, well, you might as well take Hellier, too. And uh, those guys went out there on the short man. And, you know, the rest is history, so to speak. And it went, you know, the way of the Rock. And it also sent everybody home happy uh, on Friday night. Whereas, you know, in the final minute, I think everybody in that building watching the game with the Rock being shorthanded,
1: yeah shut the game off it's (laughs) over it was over it was and it should have been it should have been it really should have been so you're right a lot goes into that last minute and that's why this is the greatest game in the world you are never out of this thing so I think it starts with the delayed penalty I don't remember who shot it from the wings but I felt like they may have shot it early and probably had another 10 to 14 seconds to burn just chewing up the clock and maybe getting that down from 46 seconds to closer to 30 and the game is literally over now I It's hard to sit here and say woulda, shoulda, coulda because I can't imagine the Philly coaching staff sent their team out and said, look, the minute you see a good chance, take it. I can't imagine for the life of me that was the message that was sent. Um, But that's what they did. So, yeah, uh, to to the Rock staff, kudos for putting those guys out there. What do you have to lose? It's the absolute right decision. Um, But if you're the Wings, uh, you know, you put three almost D-oriented guys on the top of your power play. You play a little bit of keep away. You get it down to one of their creases because you know top, the top guys in the rock are going to chase. You just keep it away from them. 26, 27 seconds, pass by. Get it down to a crease. Try a good in-tight shot off a pick with one with three guys going back and one guy going to the bench. You don't give up that opportunity. You cannot shoot the ball. Even if he doesn't hit the pipe and get such a bad ricochet, he could have missed the net. And there's Schreiber and Tommy gone on a two-on-one. And then to not have some defocused guys up top just in case, I think was maybe a mistake. Um, But like I said, I can't imagine they sent their people out there, their players out there to say, go shoot this ball, ring it off the pipe. The ultimate worst-case scenario happened, and lesson learned to a young Wings team. Winning is hard in this league, and you've got to you've got to be really good to do it. And they really mismanaged that, and obviously it it, it costs them big time. And then to not really be focused into overtime with I think a buck and a half left on a power play or a buck fifteen left on a power play, you know, you've still got the game in hand. You've got a man up and you've got to maybe call your time out in overtime, settle everything down, put a play together, and just go bury them. You've still got that opportunity, but I don't think they recovered from what happened, and I've been on benches like that in the past, where something, uh, you know, something, the worst case scenario happens, you have a really hard time getting it back. I think they would have been well served, kind of taking a time out, getting possession, and resetting, drawing up a simple play, try to get something in where you can, you know, win the game in overtime. So, uh, tough. Really tough. If you're a Wings fan, that's that's one that you're going to look back at. But, uh, you know, Rock made the right decisions. The Wings did not, and thus the Rock are 2-1. and one.
0: You are correct. Clock management. So we talk about that, and, you know, where is that coached? You know what I mean? I, I, because I saw it happen a lot, you know, with my – summer life being involved in junior b lacrosse i saw it happen a ton this summer with horrific clock management by my own team and it was frustrating to watch and is it that is it as simple as that some guys just are the eyes are so big for the net they want to score they've got that chance they're up by a goal they you know almost the fearless uh you know invincible maybe mentality that "Ah, uh, things are going to sort themselves out here. It doesn't matter. I I just want to pop one more for the, uh, you know, stats on point streak here. But I I just sometimes I think, like, where is that taught? Like, I mean, you do so much coaching yourself and you work with these kids. Like, is is this stuff taught? You know, should it it not be a little bit more ingrained that you don't necessarily need the coach barking at you at the bench to be like, Look at the shot clock. Figure it out. We're up by a goal. Burn as much time as you can. And if you are going to take a shot, let's just make sure it's not wild. That's just going to start some transition for them the other way. And sure, hitting a post is a bit of a wild card, I guess, in all this. But still, like you know, you don't like you say you don't want that wild shot that's going to fire off the glass and spring the guy going the other way and and create that automatic transition for the other team. So, where is that taught? I guess maybe at the younger levels, is it taught? Is it something that I mean, it's clearly a life and death part of the game here that you know it is the difference between winning and losing so many times
1: well I can assure you of one thing well I hope I can assure you of one thing I don't think Von Harris will be on the shooter their power play late in a game with a one goal lead anymore (laughs) and if he is I guarantee you he won't shoot that ball now he was probably going with his instinct and his confidence to say I'm going to put this ball in the net and end it and but you know I think there's so much more that goes and we talked last week about trying to have the last shot that's a bit of clock management too when you When you burn your 30 to give up 30 seconds the other way to get the ball back for the last shot. These are all things that I think are learned. And for all the talk of the bigger, faster, better, quote, unquote, lacrosse players out there today, I think the one thing that you don't see, the one thing that is lacking is um, smart. Smart lacrosse players. And I think... The biggest difference is growing up, I watched a lot of lacrosse. I, I you know, I was at the rink all the time watching the junior A team and whenever I could get to a program I I'd watch. And for a fourteen or a fifteen year old sitting in the crowd on Friday, you know, they can look at that and say, you know, if they're paying attention, I'm never going to do that. I see yeah. what happens. So, you know, in our generation there was a lot of watching lacrosse and you'd see mistakes being made. And if you were a smart lacrosse player, you'd file it and say, I'm ever in that position. I have to remember this because I don't want that to happen to me. And through years and years and years of doing that, and then having lived through it on your own and being in circumstances where, you know, this happens, good or bad, you learn from them and you file them. So, uh, you know, is it the coach's job? It's a coach's job at that point to remind them. uh, But I don't think it's a coach's job to tell him not to take that shot. That has to be something that you understand. uh, And ultimately, you know, if you don't understand that, you probably shouldn't be on the floor. So um, again, it, it's it's a tragic thing if you're a Wings fan. But I think uh, kids these days are better lacrosse players. There's no doubt about it. They are bigger, stronger, faster, and they have more skill. But I think the one thing that the biggest difference between, you know, the generations is understanding the game and the flow of the game and understanding what it takes to win a game. And I think, you know, this is a great circumstance where everybody's going to learn from it, both the rock and the Wings and hopefully kids in the crowd. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 everybody's fault. You know, yeah. if you're the wings today, this week, you're looking back at it and say we all got to take some ownership in that. We've got to fix it, and we got to be better next time. But yeah, I think clock management, understanding the flow of the game, and all those things. You know, I played with a lot of really, really gifted players that were smart as well, and I learned a lot from them. So, you know, uh, can't I don't want to get into this generational argument because I could all day. But I think for all the positives of today's lacrosse players, I think the one thing that lacks is a little bit of of lacrosse knowledge. So there you go.
0: All right. Okay, we're going to take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access. When we come back, it's time for Rosie. Nick Rose, he'll be in studio with us. Stick around. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access, Mike Hancock, along with Colin Doyle, and we now welcome in Nick Rose. Rosie, how you doing? First appearance on the podcast, episode two? I'm doing pretty well. Morning, guys. Yeah. Good morning, Nick. Yeah. I need
1: you the second most important member of the Rock, as far as Mike Hancock's concerned. Oh, is
0: that true? Congratulations. Thanks, yes. Challenge was the first. On the, yeah, he's yeah. a pretty big deal. And the boss.
1: Is this by most popular, or by who's closest?
0: Uh, I think most... <laughs>
1: Maybe closest. both. <laughs> we'll put together a scoring chart and Either we'll way, I'll see. Take I it. mean, we'll see who our next guest is. That I guess that will close this debate because we're running out of people at your house to get here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Nick. True. Um, so, Rosie,
0: what uh, I mean, we've dissected the game a little bit here. We'll start with the the official stuff, I guess, out of the way here. Um, how have you felt in the net this year? I mean, the numbers look good. Yeah. Fan support is, according to Colin Doyle, at an all time high.
1: So far, so good. Yeah. I guess, obviously, the Georgia game was your fault. (laughs) Um, But the other two, um, the other two so far, you have more good than bad. So I wasn't at the game. Full disclosure, I wasn't at the game this past weekend. I sent my mother and uh, my oldest daughter. Uh, I don't know if they heard the good on rosie or not i'll follow up but uh, i wasn't there personally to hear whether or not you were any good but by by my standard you played a great game uh we you know i thought you gave them a chance to win so there's my two cents how do you feel in the net (laughs) this year Uh, yeah i want to talk about this because
0: i i think sometimes in the summer when you have a lot of work in a short amount of time you're you're really good you get really good really fast is it more difficult to get into that groove in the NLL season where you're only playing once a week, practicing once a week, and, and you know, it's it's a little slower of a schedule?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it is a little different from summer to winter. But, uh, I mean, this year with the with the Rock, we only have the two goalies. So it uh, has been quite a bit of extra work with practice and m- morning routine with uh, shoot-around. So um, I, I've been able to get into the games. I mean, I think there's been some stretches where maybe I've – wanted a goal or two back. But I think overall I'm a little happy with how I've started this season, but uh, we obviously as a team have to get better because Friday night I've learned learned a long time ago in this league there's no bad wins, but um, we definitely have to elevate our game uh, from what the fans saw Friday night.
1: Well, Mike and I talked about this and evidently uh, uh, I do believe there are such things as bad wins. And that was one Friday night. <laughs> so we obviously see different <laughs> on that. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to get started with my line of questions here, if yeah, that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Nick. Jump uh, in. Nick, everybody knows, uh, anybody who follows you on social media knows that uh, you certainly love social media. This is what you do a lot of. You spend a lot of your time on social media. So uh, give us a little uh, insight <laughs> Where is this here. Going? Nick, right. who are your three favorite follows oh. on Twitter? <laughs> Uh, I Like I said, I, everybody's fully aware that you spend a lot of time on this. So let's uh, hear from Nick Rose himself. Who are your three favorite followers on Like Twitter? celebrities or anybody? Anybody.
2: Anybody? You're working your way up there with uh, largy every now and then. I,
1: I can continue largy if that works me up the list, but um, you cannot include me in the top right, three. got to be better out there. Who's um, on next top three?
2: I'll, I'll go with Celebrity first. The Rock is pretty good. He's uh, always clanging and banging out there, so he's always got something going on um trying to think uh there's some funny guys out there i follow obviously the barstool sports guys some bleacher report guys but uh um i don't know i'd, I'd have to probably say uh, some of the athletes i follow i mean i would have said antonio brown until he started uh Causing a mess in Pittsburgh, but...
1: He's off the list now, is
2: Yeah, he? he's off the list until he starts growing up a little bit, but... I'll uh,
1: give you a bit more time, and I'll tell you what, by the end of our segment here, you think of one more good follow that we can okay. put out to the people. I know those questions are tough, because it's probably not what you expected no, nope, but not what I did. I think the people want to hear from you. So I'll turn it over to Mike again, then I'll get I'll get started with another question. Well, comment. i got to know something
0: along the social media lines, and <coughs> you know, we've kind of poked a little bit of fun at some of the support and the fan stuff here uh, last week a little bit i guess and a little bit today already but i gotta know would you ever do a segment where we could just read off some of the comments and you can just <laughs> respond to them
2: <laughs> uh i i would definitely do that yeah. but may, maybe not that thread that was going around my first two years <laughs> but uh something uh, about a particular piece uh, of fruit what yeah exactly okay, but yeah. uh no i i would uh, do that i mean it comes with the territory it's obviously a high pressure yeah. team we play for it's a uh, team that has the most championships in NL history so the fans uh fans have come to expect a, a winner on the floor and we're working towards bringing a championship back here and until I do then I'll uh, take it with a grain of salt and keep trying to do that
0: now some more off the floor stuff uh we've talked a little bit in the office here a little bit of uh you know actually my wife came up with this uh, this idea i got to give her credit but to start a cooking segment with rosie because social media we're talking about one thing that does definitely dominate rosie's social media at times are some of the fantastic looking meals that he is producing for himself and for his household well, well i do
2: live with quite a few guys yeah. and uh, a bit of them are a bit younger so trying to teach them the ins and outs of living on their own making some good meals, um, wh- whatever. Just gotta,
0: hey. But the big thing you've been working lately that's been blowing my mind that
1: I still haven't gotten to have bought yet is the sous vide. Yeah, you got to
2: get on that. That's a game changer. Are you into
1: the sous vide? I've had some steak. I've not done it myself. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. I think what's yeah. most concerning here is that, what I if I heard this correctly, Nick, you are in charge of <laughs> the five or six guys in your house eating well. Well, that, that is slightly concerning <laughs> to me uh, because I know some of your eating habits and uh, living on your own and how much of a shock it was to you originally. Well,
2: we still make sure the boys eat well and are taken care of, even though uh, sometimes you wonder about the young guys. But
1: uh, we, we got them taken care of. That's about it. Oh, that's good. That's, that's good it. to know. Can I fire off on another question, Mike? You go ahead. We, well, when I played with you, Nick, we we certainly didn't see eye-to-eye on music, um, <laughs> and I think uh, anybody who was in those dressing rooms in those days <laughs> understands what I'm talking about. Uh, top three songs that are played in your room right now. What's the song? Who's the artist? Well, this year's a little interesting, so I
2: tried to quickly hand off the music to the young guys, Challen and Phil Caputo, but um, somehow I found myself still with the iPad because they either don't want to travel with the stereo or whatever but they've kind of relied on me they put together a list but we're still playing some hip uh tragically hip there's uh, there's quite a bit of rap which i know you you're not into but
1: that's okay it's a different generation i I
2: got a I got a good handle on the morning shoot around which i know is up your alley the more laid back a bit of quiet rock and uh throw the odd pearl jam in there for you but See, uh,
1: times have changed because now you as a veteran are willingly turning it over to the younger guys, wherein, in, you know, when I was there, you just literally tried to take it, and we were 100% <laughs> well, unwilling to give it to you. <laughs> well, so.
2: I've, I've learned that you can't please everybody, so that's why I've tried to hand it off, and uh, essentially one less distraction uh, before game time.
1: What do you think? By midseason, you guys are in perfect form where everything's lined up, the playlists are all set, and you don't have to tweak it at all? Yeah,
2: I think we're getting close there. we got a good list going, but... Uh, uh, a good mix of everything. We're still working on our, our wind song, so if you got something in mind, we might need some help there. But well,
1: I'll leave that with me. You guys keep winning; you'll yeah. find something
2: that works okay. for you. All
0: right. <laughs> As, did the wind song bleed over from last year into this year so far? Uh,
2: no, we try no. to switch it up every year. I mean, uh, I know, I know. Colin was pretty big on having a good wind song, get the boys up and feeling good after uh, earning a hot fought, hot, hard, hard fought, fought. victory. Yeah. But um, yeah, we just haven't found that yet. So we'll. we'll it after it soon.
1: Yeah, you'll find it. You'll what know was it when you find it. your favorite wind song back in your day? I loved uh, Some Nights. By yeah, I like that Cars. one too. That was yeah, a good that one. that was a really good one. We, it was a good vibe. It was kind yeah. of outside of everybody's, I think, comfort zone. Yeah. And it was a popular song, which, yeah. you know, doesn't always work, but it, it was great. It just had good... It had a good vibe to it, and the boys were all behind it, so it was really good. So, like I said, they'll find theirs that works. I can
0: see in your eyes you're remembering good times right now. Oh, yeah, like- <laughs> without question.
1: And I think the the wind song kind of came on late. Like, we didn't have that when I was younger. Music wasn't a huge part of what we did. It was a big part of what I did, but yeah, uh, the generation before me wasn't big on having music in the room. It was a lot of talk, which was cool, too. Yeah, uh, You'd really find out a lot of things about your fellow players, but uh, music kind of came in like... Probably 2005 was when uh, we kind of had a turnover of of things of sorts, and I think music started to become popular in the room at that point, and then this generation, whether they listen to it on their own or as a team, whatever it is, I think it's, it becomes a big part of what they do. So I think it's neat. It's always neat, and I'm always curious to hear what people have going on in their rooms and on their iPods. and. Doesn't have to jive with what I do because everyone's different, and I respect that. So I think it's cool, and I think the the win song is the, the cherry on top because yep. the more you hear that, the more success you have, and I think it always brings back great memories.
0: But I remember, Dolly, you were kind of a big Drake guy at the end. I was not. That's uh, <laughs> that's a rumor. i yeah. Yeah. sure. I you Let's move along here, I'm Hammer. Sure Let's move, move along. Chester, yeah. yeah. you're singing you were into it. I remember.
1: Yeah, you must have. You're fired uh, up. That's you fake and news. JL. That's fake. news. Actually, we're seeing it together. Anyway, Nick, I'm going to ask one more question yep. here. Yeah. Uh, you're obviously in a position, like a lacrosse-related question here. You're in a position where you're you're trying to take this team to the top, and I think it's no secret that for you to be kind of considering the upper echelon of the goalies here in this league, um, that you know you've got to take help take this team over that hump. Um, does that pressure weigh on you uh do you see it the way other people see it and like i know it's a generic question and i didn't want to ask it but i'm always curious because i think for you it's a little clearer than everybody else i think uh you're in a position here where we all think we can win with this team or at least get close and you're in the driver's seat on that does that pressure weigh on you or do you just not pay any attention to it um i mean i think that
2: that pressure has to weigh on an athlete at times but Um, I've been around here long enough where I think that I have a good understanding of the people that maybe don't support me specifically, where a lot of it's just noise and I can kind of silence that out. But being here around the track, I see the other side of it, see a lot of kids that obviously look up to myself, to our team that come through here every, every day, so um, I have a bit of a uh, different perspective. I think we're kind of on the right track, and uh, we got good people involved that can help us get to that next level. But obviously, there is some hurdles we have to get over uh, w- within the upcoming weeks, weeks even. So,
1: yeah, that's it's a tough question. I didn't mean, <coughs> I certainly didn't want to put you on the spot, but I think. Okay. Uh, you're in a unique position here, and I think ultimately, even if you were to win a championship with this team, there would still be haters, and that's just the way it is. And if you understand that, it would be a little easy moving forward. So, um, yeah, that's good. It's good for me, Mike. Turn over to you. Now,
0: being a goaltender yourself, I mean, there's so much talk about expansion and how much bigger this league is going to get. Uh, you know, you are working with lots of young guys uh, here at the track and whatnot and um, involved in junior lacrosse and really have your uh, – Finger on the pulse of the game. What uh, you know? Do you think there is enough depth at the goaltending position? It, it seems to be that's the one spot I think that is probably the most concern for everybody in terms of the growth, in terms of having enough depth, is at the goaltender position. Where do you think the depth pool is really? Like, do you think this league can get to fifteen or sixteen teams within you know three or four years and and have enough good good goalies to support the league?
2: Yeah, I mean, I've thought about this a little bit. Obviously, with expansion, it's, it's great being a player in the league currently. I mean, we've always wanted to see the league kind of take the next level and expand and grow. Um, obviously, you do worry about if it's going to be too quick, but um, with, with the goalie position, I, I do think that there's going to be quite a few situations where goalies are maybe thrown into the mix a bit younger now um come maybe coming right out of junior there's a lot of good junior a goalies coming up um i i've probably worked with i'd say about 50 goalies over the last two years just do it running clinics camps that kind of stuff and i i do think that there's a lot of skill at that position uh, coming up but it might take a little while or once kids are right out of junior they're gonna kind of be thrown right in the mix and uh maybe that's gonna be a good thing maybe it's gonna be a bad thing but um I don't think that we're going to be short on goalies. Maybe in five years or so. Maybe in two, three years, it, it, there might be a, a short period. But I do think uh, the goalie position in Ontario is actually pretty healthy from what I've seen over the last few years. Well, I don't, I
1: think, it's I don't also think I think it's two two two-fold question, Mike. I don't think it's we're not going to be short on goalies. Are we going to be short on goalies good enough to play? competitively in the NLL I think those are two different questions yeah and uh, having lived through it myself in the mid-2000s the one thing that held expansion teams back over and over and over again was the lack of goaltending and it is a huge separator in this league but do you
0: think sometimes too with in the past so many so few teams so few opportunities to play like some guys are having the net for 10 or 15 years the best goalies there's not an opportunity like some of it I think has to be some learning on the job too I think you have to have a chance to play. I mean, if you're forever a backup, you know, five, six years, and, you know, maybe you're spelling in a little bit in the summer here, but you're just practicing, Is, is that's just not the same as...
1: I don't think you compare, I, I, and I've been a, a proponent of this for a long, you can't compare summer lacrosse to pro lacrosse in the NLL. I just don't think it's it's there. The nets are bigger, you're using a plastic stick, they're, you're more limited on the size of your equipment, and I think... Moving forward, I think all those things need to be in sync because if you're going to play a major series lacrosse where you're going to get your reps or junior A lacrosse, I think you should have to see what you're going to see at the next level. If that is our goal, ultimately, to move goalies to that level, and Nick can chime in on this afterward, but for a goalie to bulk up his equipment, use a wooden stick, and maybe just stand there and block the ball in junior and in major, it makes a big difference when you have to get into the NLL with the extra inches on the net, the limitations on equipment, and that plastic stick. I think meshing those things together will help this process move along a little quicker. Nick, what do you think?
2: I completely agree with that as far as uh, having most levels of lacrosse kind of on the same playing field, whether it's the same size nets. Um, We've seen it with our programs here at the track. I mean, we play on the NOL nets under NOL rules, and it's great. Uh, The kids love it. The players like shooting on a bigger net. I think it helps the goalies to be able to move to the ball rather than I've seen in the summertime where there's peewee kids and you're looking at a minor net and you, you can't see anything at all. So um I do think uh going forward that all the leagues kinda of have to get together and come up with a plan for uh for rules and especially the nets and size of equipment and all that. But um I I just think uh I think that if if we're gonna take this league, the NOL, to where it's going to have to be, and we need the goalies. And I do think uh, all these organizations have to make a real effort to grow the goalies along with the game.
1: Yeah, so often in youth lacrosse, goalies get left behind, I think. You you just throw a kid in net who either got cut from the team or who's bigger than everybody else, whatever the means are. Uh, there's, it's rare, and it's nobody's fault. It's rare that there's somebody there that has, A, a history with goaltending, or, B, has the time and the capability to be there you know, every night of the week to work with Tyke, Novice, Pee Wee. Ban- it, it's so important, but something that gets left, left over so many times, and I think uh, the associations that do that well um, certainly see the benefits of it down the road. But it's a, it's a key component, and if the NLL is looking at big picture stuff and looking to grow to whatever they want to grow to, 14 18 22 teams you know growing canadian goalies is one thing and they've got a good head start here and a good base to work with now growing goalies in the united states where you're going to need goalies eventually come from is a whole yeah. another can of worms because they're 55 years yeah. behind where we are so uh the nll i think needs to focus on that if that's going to be expansion it's probably lo- long way down on their list but if you're looking at this from a lacrosse perspective Growing players and growing goalies is what eventually will lead to success with uh, with expansion. So Nick's bang on there.
0: Yeah, and I think even more to what Nick's saying about everybody getting together and getting on the same page. <clears throat> I I I don't think it's that far away from happening, yeah. and, and I don't think you get a lot of resistance either from you know the governing bodies in Canada. I re, I really I <laughs> okay me.
1: It's new. Are you kidding I, me? Is, All there will I, be is resistance. Yeah. But I if feel like we're the at the a time
0: where. But I feel like we're at a time right now where there has been so much talk about change that you know if there is essentially a, a good, well thought out plan presented by somebody, perhaps it does have to come from the NLL to the CLAOLA. Um, you know the other uh, member uh, associations across the country. I don't. I don't think it's going to be met with as much resistance as some people would think. And I know you're looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> You've been around this but a lot like, longer than I have, I, Mike. You should know better. I. But I maybe I don't want to know better than anymore because it, it's it's gotten to the point where, you know. I, I know that there was some talk, you know, in some junior leagues and whatnot this year, we'll say, leading up into the fall, that, you know, that was something that was discussed a little bit, was possibly sent, tr- changing to some NLL rules for for uh, junior in the not-too-distant future. So, I don't think it's far off. It's going to be a tough thing. I get what you're saying with, you know, the OLA might be able to get on board with something a lot faster, but then you get to a national championship, and then what are you doing? You've had teams playing by one set of rules yeah, all it, summer, and... The rest of the country playing by another set.
1: You're making the ill-advised assumption that everybody in the governing bodies of minor lacrosse believe that the NLL is the right way to play the game. That's, in my opinion, fair. Not the assumption to make because I know for a fact that there's a ton of resistance that that's the proper way to play the game. But ultimately, like any other pro sport, if kids are thriving to be at one level, yeah, which ultimately should be the NLL for indoor lacrosse, then. The rules and regulations along that streamline should definitely work towards that. Yep. and go beyond goalies and players, look at training of referees and everything else that you know expansion also doesn't happen without a slew of good referees. Mm-hmm. And we all know what bad referee can do to a league. Yep. And so I think all these things need to be talked about streamlined. But that is making the assumption that we all agree that the NLL is the best way to play the game. And I don't think that's really where everybody's at. But this is a conversation for another day for sure. But I think uh, from a goalie's perspective, I agree with Nick 100%. They need to see it. They need to understand what it is. And they need to get better at doing it with whatever means they're going to be doing it at the next level. So if that means going to plastic sticks, if that means making the nets a little bit bigger, whatever that means and that's a discussion for goalies to figure out um but i think it's certainly somewhere where we should go so they're a little bit more prepared when they get there yeah i mean
2: if if anybody wants to see it with their own two eyes they can come out here on sundays watch you and Challen coach the young kids and watch them play with nl rules and the big nets and see how much fun the the kids have and the goalies
1: you said everybody gets better like uh kids get to score that's a great thing for a lacrosse player nowadays because you go to a lot of minor lacrosse games they're three 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 two kids get to score goalies have to really work at stopping the ball and the game moves fast and with a ton of excitement so i for one nick for one you for one are obviously on board that this version of lacrosse is an exciting brand for kids to play and uh, you know maybe one day we will get there we'll save this we'll we'll put a little Mm -hmm. time aside in the next couple weeks we'll talk about youth lacrosse and where we think it might be going
0: all right so let's swing it around to uh this weekend the toronto rock traveling to colorado to uh face colorado mammoth (coughs) another matchup between you and your good buddy d ward uh always probably pretty exciting for you to get a chance to battle against him
2: yeah no doubt i mean uh we grew up playing together in junior and uh i have a lot of respect for him he's probably between field and box probably the best goalie in the world um he's done a lot of great things in this league i and even this year, like I thought last last game I watched their game, I thought he had a very solid game, gave them a chance to win, but uh, they're going to be desperate. Um, we have to match that desperation. We have to play our best game of the season because for whatever reason, that's a hurdle that we have to get over to is going out to Colorado. We have struggled there the last few times we've gone there. So we have to be prepared to play and I think play our best game uh, that we played in this season so i think we will be but we'll see
0: rosie hit on some of your things there from your
1: uh, <coughs> like i said they're finding their way yes. they just, <laughs> uh, the go. proof will be in the pudding yep. saturday night around eleven thirty <laughs> eastern i guess Are you when, when, up my, for that one when i what? put my weekly list together of <laughs> hopefully the good the bad and the great yeah and uh look uh yeah i'll be up watching that one for sure um you guys won the game, and that's important to move on. There's no doubt about that. Fix what you can. You're not going to fix it all overnight, but you get to a spot, you got a chance to win. Go to three and one here. It's going to be an incredibly tough environment to win in, as it always is. Um, but you know, like I said, this whole year is going to be about unfolding and before our very own eyes, finding out what this version of the Rock's all about. And you guys will get to your ultimate goal, but these are the little hurdles that we're going to continue to talk about. So, good luck out there. Bring back two points. Thanks.
0: Alright Rosie, thanks a lot for stopping by and uh, like Dolly says, good luck this weekend and uh, we will chat again soon. Appreciate you guys. Thanks Thanks, Nick. Alright, Nick Rose of the Toronto Rock. We'll take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access and we'll be back to wrap it up in a moment. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock, along with Colin Doyle. Uh, we are already real deep into this episode already. It's already a long one, Doyle.
1: My apologies. I I feel like I've been carrying on a little much. It's a good uh, one. It's good stuff. I okay. think people
0: are still hanging in there, so that's good. Um, a few things around the league I want to talk about, namely... Uh, and I, I think I just want to create the debate with you, and I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. But um, Matt Vince breaks the uh, all-time saves record this weekend. And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people it, – it's tough to – you know, last last week we started to talk a little bit about who's the greatest player in the world. Today I want to throw out who's the best goalie of all time. Because Matt Vince Whipper. Has, is that the end of the – End of story.
1: We, we can move on. <laughs> no setup, nothing. I don't get to – if, if you allow for a bit of gray area and a bit of discussion, then I don't have an answer. The answer is Whipper. Now, I don't like the debate of all time. Okay. I don't think it's fair. All right. Dallas Elliott before him was outstanding. Now Matt Vince, or Vink, which is it?
0: Vince, I believe, yeah.
1: Maybe he can chime in and let us know what it is. <laughs> Uh, He's the best goalie of this generation Uh, to be a great goalie, You need to be consistent You need to make a pile of saves and you need to win championships and you know, by all accounts He's met every criteria and he's been fantastic. So sorry to cut you off. I'm not getting off my answer. I never will Probably because I have six rings that were in great part due to mr. Bob Watson so you don't roll over on that at any time. So, uh, I, you know, that is just my take on that. Everybody's going to have a different different answer. Uh, th- there will be, I mean, there was goalies before I even knew the game that I wouldn't even be able to bring into the conversation. Mm-hmm. There are people that will believe Chugger or Pat O'Toole uh, or Dallas. And now Matt and cause all these names will come through the conversation but for me it's a no-brainer and a conversation it's Bobby Watson but uh certainly a good chance to tip our cap to Matt and what he's done he's had a tremendous career and you know judging by Saturday night he's not very interested in looking to slow down so uh he'll continue to to move on that mark and congratulations to him he's been a great goalie in this league for a long time which is not easy to do so certainly tip our cap to him but my answer to your question is Bobby Watson
0: Okay. All right. No debate, no discussion. All None. Right. Um, not much. Uh, it's a pretty quiet uh, weekend around the league. Uh, Georgia is at Philadelphia, and our Toronto Rocker at Colorado take on the Mammoth uh, this past weekend. Uh, any games you want to touch on? That uh, Any other games you want to talk about that went down this past weekend? Well, I mean, Buffalo. I didn't watch a ton of games this weekend, honestly, other than ours. I watched Saskatchewan and San Diego,
1: but uh, –
0: I was trying to piece
1: everything together Saturday, so I saw bits and pieces of most of the game. I I turned the Buffalo Rochester game fairly early. Buffalo sent a nice message. I felt like uh, they really looked good defensively, and that was different from what we had seen. Uh, so that message was sent loud and clear. If they can continue to perform defensively and get goaltending like that, they will be they will be in the conversation at the end of the year for for certain. Um, Where's
0: I, Rochester after all this?
1: Rochester's gonna be like The Rock. We're gonna find out a lot as the year moves on. I think I like some of their pieces. They have great coaching. They'll be in the mix because of that. But again, I think the goaltending situation has changed. And I ultimately I think some nights you won't notice it, but some nights you will. And uh, mm-hmm. this was obviously indicative this weekend. Um where it was noticeable, uh, especially considering their old play was on the other end playing tremendously well. Uh, if history's taught me anything with that team, kind of no different than the Patriots. You just don't count them out. <laughs> let them sort them out. Let them sort themselves out. Figure out what they are. They have some really good offensive pieces. I think defensively, they may have to change a little bit because of their goaltending situation. I think they'll work through it and they'll come up with a plan. And I think at the end of the year, they'll be in the mix to make the playoffs. Um, I don't have them near the top of the Eastern Division yet. You know, I think Georgia's there now. Um, you know, some people are going to have to start beating them to get me off of that. And I think, you know, Buffalo and Toronto are in a position to push for it. And then I think, uh, you know, Philly is where Philly is. New England, I think there's a lot of questions out there as to what they are. Big win for them early, but they'll be tested here down the road. So, I, I you know, I still don't believe they'll be there at the end of it. And then I think Rochester's a team in, in flux that, you know, I believe will be in the playoffs at the end of the year with the addition of one more team. That's kind of how I see it now. So that was a bad night for them. Nothing worked. Everybody has those nights, and we'll see where they are in the next few weeks. Saskatchewan, to me, and it's early and it's not fair, because, again, with that team, you just never count them out because they are the cream of the crop, and they have been for some time. But do the rush kind of tease us a little bit as the season goes on sometimes? They certainly do. Because I find,
0: like, you know, since they've become as dominant as they have in recent years, it seems like every once in a while they seem to go through a bit of a lull, and then it's even in games, right? And then they just turn it on.
1: I don't think – I just think we – that's why you have to stay with them, and I think you never want to say they're out of it, and they're not out of it. Yeah, They'll be at the top of that division at the end of the year. I'm almost certain of it. But there are holes there where there wasn't before, and I don't think that's just trickery. Right now, early in the season, they have been depleted now by yeah. some expansion drafts, by some trades, by some loss of players. You know, even the great teams—they start chipping away at your 14, 15, 16, 17th man on your roster. Eventually, those those holes show. Uh, and now, you know, San Diego's scored some goals on them, and San Diego's going to score some goals on a lot of teams this year. But um, you know, I just think. There are some cracks there, and I, I really do believe that. Now, I'm not going to count them out. I, I believe they'll probably win the Western Division, but they are beatable, mm-hmm. and I haven't said that in a few years. So that's my take. Uh, again, with great coaching and great players, they're going to get better, but that offense that offense looked really good to me this weekend, and uh, that offense is only going to get better. I think defensively is where they've won their championships over the past – And I think they all have to prove it to me that they're as good as they have been in the past. Because right now, my answer to that would be, say, no, they're not as good defensively. Um, Good to see Garrett Billings back. Scored a few goals. Um, Looked like he had some jump in his step. Looked like he was having some fun. So we can keep our eye on that. I thought that was something that maybe some fans took note of and some others didn't. But uh, it's been a year. Has it been a year, year and a half since he's been in the NLL?
0: Yeah, early uh, early 2017 was his last NLL game.
1: Yeah, so good for him to be back. He looked good. And uh, on that team, he should be a nice addition for them. So we'll keep our eyes on that. Uh, Georgia played Vancouver. trap game for them. They eked out the win. Kind of the same position. I don't think they'll worry so much about it because they know who they are. Um, defensively, though, they still continue to impress me. They look better than they have in the past. Uh, the goaltending, again, was good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, nothing's changed really there, but, you know, some entertaining games, some not so entertaining games, but we'll slowly mold what we think this, these two divisions look like. But yeah, I watched a lot of lacrosse, and I plan on doing the same this weekend.
0: Who's the better of the two expansion teams so far here? Through no the first question, San Diego. I, I mean,
1: yeah. I, I was not impressed with what I saw out of Philadelphia, with all due respect. I i wasn't impressed i thought they have some nice pieces there but you know ultimately they're plugging holes with with inexperience and um with cast offs and you know that showed to me offensively Mm -hmm. they have some good pieces but no cohesion no ball movement um really nothing offensively that was impressive whereas if you watch san diego offensively they have good flow they're getting goals from a lot of different people i think uh, there'll be a much bigger juggernaut up front. Defensively, that's where both teams are suffering a little bit. And uh, goaltending-wise, I thought goaltending on a Philly was fantastic. But you certainly don't know what you have there with your goalies yet. And I think yeah. the same can be said in San Diego. And I think um, Saskatchewan hung 16 or 17 on them. And ultimately, you know, you, you can't expect to score 18 a night to win games. So as as the season progresses, I see San Diego moving forward getting better defensively uh and you know probably gelling a bit quicker offensively and i think at the end of the day they'll probably push for a playoff spot in the west i do not see philadelphia pushing for a playoff spot here at all i learned
0: austin Stotts likes to uh go to the net and or make a play or take a shot when he gets the ball um how long before he is or will he be a superstar in this league
1: Good question. Uh, he's a superstar everywhere he's been, so there's no reason to question whether or not he'll step up and be a superstar mm-hmm. here. Uh, but I'm also in no big rush to annoy anybody. I never have been. I think yeah. it's, you, you've got to be a star for a long time to get into those conversations. I think NLL fans are going to enjoy watching him play, and if, uh, you know, if he can stay healthy and continue to work at his craft, I think really the sky's the limit. He's a tremendous goal scorer. And tremendous goal scorers are hard to find and uh when you get one you cherish it so they've got one there there's no doubt about it uh good question I don't know how long it'll take him to shoot to superstardom but you know knowing fans and sports fans in general he'll probably be a superstar by next week so uh, (laughs) I on the other hand tend to wait a little bit and let things play out but uh he's going to be fun to watch and he's an awesome goal scorer and like I said goal scorers are hard to come by so enjoy watching him play all
0: right, well, uh, let's wrap things up there for today. Uh, we do have to remind everybody that uh, the Rocker on the road this weekend in Colorado. You can watch the game on Bleacher Report Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, so it's a seven o'clock uh, start locally there in Colorado, nine o'clock Eastern. Again, make sure you have your subscription to Bleacher Report Live so you don't miss a minute of the action. And then the Rocker home next Friday night, January the 18th, against the Georgia Swarm. Huge, huge rematch and. If you missed the first game in person, you don't want to miss the second game in person. Everyone from the fans to the players um, agreed, I think, that this was a a playoff-type atmosphere. And if that's what you want, then that's what you'll get on uh, Friday, January the 18th at Scotiabank Arena. Tickets are available now, torontorock.com. You can get them, swing by the office, swing by the Scotiabank Arena box office itself. Uh, lots of ways to get your hands on tickets, but do not miss this one on Friday, January 18th. It is uh, it is a big one. The new four-game pack is on sale as well. You get a ticket to the final regular season home game as Fan Appreciation Night and three other games of your choice. That's available as well at torontorock.com or by calling the office and uh, some other exciting uh, stuff coming down the pipe here uh, for us, and also uh, Country Night coming up on February the 1st, Pride Night coming up on February the 15th. So lots of great things coming up if you're a Toronto Rock fan. Anything, any final thoughts here, final words for the folks listening, Doily? Yeah,
1: quick note. Uh, for those that don't remember, uh, we, the Toronto Rock, in 2002 or three, when the Mammoth first came into the league, we were the first ever game there. And to give people some insight, because this has been a tremendously successful franchise over the years, and and I've got a great story. We were the first team to ever play there, and when we got to the rink and people started coming in, they had to delay the game, and this is a story that Bobby Watson and I talk about all the time. They had to delay the game about an hour and 15 minutes to, to let people into the rink. They had no idea what to expect. Lacrosse was brand new out there. Uh, It was a wild west, and they must have stuffed sixteen or seventeen thousand people in there. The game was delayed. They beat us in overtime, and the overtime goal. The place was so loud. Whoever scored the goal was about four feet, like four steps inside the crease, (laughs) and I think the the referee waved it off. But the place was going so berserk that they allowed it anyway. And (laughs) on we went, and it was everything happened so fast, and like to that point, other than Toronto. And a little bit with Buffalo, you hadn't seen chaos like that in, in an opposing yeah. rink. And it was, we were in the room literally saying, did that just happen? Yeah, because it, we were so fascinated by how many people were there when nobody knew. Yeah. And by the way we lost this game, I'm telling you, like I, I, I swear on my life, if there was footage of this game, I think the referee waved it off. But <laughs> they celebrated. The fans were so loud that I think the refs just walked <laughs> off and left us standing there to go, well, I guess yeah. we got a loss in our column. So it was interesting. But that brings me back. I mean, this is, this is a long time they've been in the league. And, and when Nick talks about going into a tough place to, to win, it certainly is. But uh, they've done a great job out, out there in Denver, and it's, it was always fun. They always had the greatest post-game party, um, friendly faces, a great place to visit. It's a beautiful city, so I do miss that trip for sure. So uh, here's to hoping that it doesn't end the same way with somebody four feet in the crease in overtime. Let's hope we get a win and come back, and we've got some great thoughts to talk about next week. Well,
0: I think I know what my job is uh, this week, is to find that goal. There you go. Find that goal before next week's show. All right, uh, everybody, thanks for uh, joining us on another podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you tell a friend and uh, subscribe on iTunes, listen to us on SoundCloud, all those good things. So in the meantime and in between time, that's another edition of the Toronto Rock Total Access Podcast. For Colin Doyle, I'm Mike Hancock, saying we'll chat next week.